Hello and welcome to another episode of A Need to Read. I am so excited to bring you the conversation that I had with Will Store. He is a writer, an author, he's a journalist for The Guardian, he's won awards for both his journalism and his books as well, some of which have been bestsellers. And this week I'm talking to him about his latest book, The Status Game. I've read some of his work before in The Science of Storytelling and will soon to be reading his other book, Selfie, because he said it'll is becoming more and more relevant as the years go on. So I'm very excited to get into that. It's about why we're all self-obsessed. But this conversation was mainly centred around status, why it's so important, what it is, what happens when we lose it, what happens when we gain it, and really everything you'd ever need to know about this thing called status, which we seem to ignore on a daily basis, but plays such an important role in our lives. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please do consider sharing it with someone, share it with a friend, put it on your social media, tag me in it and I'll put it on my story. It all helps in spreading the word that books are pretty cool. Now, before we get into the podcast, just a quick word from the sponsors of the show. Now, A Need to Read is sponsored by BetterHelp. And BetterHelp provide an online therapy service to millions of people all over the world. And therapy is one of those things, it makes people's backs go up. They don't need therapy. You don't need to talk to anyone about their mental health. They're not crazy. But that is where you're wrong. I'm not saying you're crazy but you just don't have to be crazy to go to therapy. Let's drop that stigma. If you are struggling in any way with your mental health and you're not considering therapy or it's you're well into your personal development and you're not considering therapy, then you may be missing a trick. It's been instrumental for me and I've been doing it for the last two years and I never thought I would say that I love therapy and what it gives me. It has given me a complete new outlook on life and just things that used to cripple me when I think about them carry no weight anymore and that is because of therapy so if you want to get some therapy yourself head to betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read and you'll get 10% off of your first month of online therapy and then you can start seeing the changes happen the podcast is also sponsored by heights heights are your all-in-one brain supplementation now you might think, oh, I don't need a supplement. My diet is absolutely perfect. Well, congratulations to you. But not everyone is that way. I personally do not fully nourish my body with my diet. I find it quite difficult to do that. There are just so many hoops that you have to jump through. And that is why almost 99% of people in the UK are not nourishing their brains correctly. Heights step in here it's got an all-in-one supplementation which will provide you with all of the nutrients minerals and vitamins needed to support full brain function which means you can improve your sleep you can improve your focus you can actually improve your mood by having a certain amount of a particular oil that is in these tablets epa as well as that reduction in anxiety so I've been taking them for about two months. I absolutely love it. There's a link in the description and you can use the code need to read to get 10% off, which makes it about a pound a day to feel your best. Now, with that all out of the way, let's get into the episode. I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Will Store. Just to start things off, obviously, selfie, you say it gets more and more relevant every day. And in there, you spent quite a lot of time on suicide and you went into male suicide there so one thing I wanted to start off with before we talk about your books and before we talk about anything else is just what would you say you one book that's had like a big impact on your mental health mental health 
That's a really good question. Um, that, yeah, probably it would be selfies, the one that 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 um that had the biggest impact on my on my mental health. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the book in which I write about suicide. I write about just just how you know that's where I began my you know the ideas that I continued in the status game about how kind of life is this game and actually the, the game that we're thrown into in in the west at the moment is really tough it's really harsh yeah. and, and you know we, we, we're just this really odd animal because we're so unhappy we're so stressed and miserable and it's like nature doesn't you know like if you look at other animals you know they don't seem stressed and miserable <laughs> unless humans are making them stressed and miserable it's like there's no, there's no evolutionary reason why we should be particularly stressed and miserable but we are you know it's, and it was it, and, and i think that was the book that made me kind of understand how, how that works yeah for sure and have you read any by anyone else that is like impacts you that you draw you draw from on a regular basis or is it just sort of a, the research you did for that book i mean not science books i mean and that's that, that's one of the things that that i that, that, that i kind of don't enjoy about science books and because because I, I think a lot of them remind me a bit of school they're a bit divorced from reality and they're yeah. just sort of learning for the sake of learning and then what i've always tried to do with my books is to make them feel a bit more relevant to to to, to, to kind of real life um um you know, I, like I, I, at the moment, I'm a, I'm a big fan of um, Karl of Nausgaard, the Norwegian author. Um, you know, he doesn't write about science, but 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 he but he but you know he, he's just very good. At, he he's got his series of non-fiction novels um, uh, where he just writes about his everyday life, and, and you know, I, I I just think there's something. Um, you know, when storytelling is at its best, it, 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 it tends to be the people who are a bit like you, and and yeah. and they make you feel that you're not alone. That, that all this fucking craziness you're going through in your own head—that's the same as for other people. <laughs> They're also going through all this doubt and craziness and and, and anxiety. Um, and there's something really profoundly reassuring about that. You know, you know, ultimately, we're all really alone inside our heads in this kind of world that we create um that that is often very divorced from actual reality and it's just you know i think the best the best storytelling reminds you that you're not alone you know i think you did that actually quite well in the states game in that final wrap-up chapter i'd found myself through reading the book just going up and down in emotions of like oh my god we're so fucked everyone is scum <laughs> to <laughs> oh, okay i can i can view everyone else with compassion because i just know they're trying to win yeah they're just trying to play a game yeah, exactly. they're, they're unaware. Um, they just don't know they're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, honestly, I think at the end, when you, you'd said something about stepping out of the youth game yeah. and that being one of the most helpful things um, <laughs> for your life, and we'll come, come back to that in a moment. Yeah. Um, but the status game and the whole premise of the book, where, where did that begin for you? What, what made you interested in that? And well, what is it? I suppose for people listening. Yeah. Well. Well. I, it's, it's, you know. The, so the, this. This. Yeah. So. So. so it came from the, all of my books since my first book have been about really about you know what's going on with people like why are people so nuts. My first book, where I'm in my twenties, was about people believing ghosts and sort of hanging around with yeah. ghost hunters and you know tracking down like the Vatican's chief exorcist and stuff and just trying to work out what was going on with these people. And, and then that led into The Heretics, which was the next book, which is about, you know, really about the science. There's one interested in the science because it's like, if you're going to understand why people believe crazy stuff, you've got to understand why we believe anything. And, and for that, you need to, to understand a bit about psychology and how the mind works. And then, and then it's really, a, the next few books are about the, the brain as a storyteller. 
about how the life that we experience is real. This conscious experience is, is a story. You, you know, it's with a hero, you're the hero in the middle of it. Uh, and the reason that we tell stories in the way that we do is because we're mimicking the way the brain works. You know, when we're late, we, when we miss our training, we're late for a meeting, we're James Bond, you know, we, like we've got this challenge, oh, we've got to overcome it. What are we going to do? What's the, you know, like that, that's how life is. And, and then so, so, so that led to the question, okay, so conscious reality, if, if the kind of myth of that life is a story, if we're beguiled by our brains into experiencing our life as a heroic story and we're the hero, what's actually going on? You know, like most of the brain is, is not conscious, it's subconscious. There's all this stuff going on underneath the conscious experience that we don't, we're not, we don't, we're not aware of, you know, it's just controlling us and pushing us and making us feel certain things like what's that all about and that's and, and that's what the status game is the, the status game is an attempt to answer that question you know what what's the unconscious truth of the human experience you know what's the kind of slightly less heroic reality of why we do what we do yeah of course and and what did you find out what what was the secret <laughs> <laughs> well it's, yeah so, so what's the status game so to understand that you've got to understand a little bit just a small bit about human evolution uh, and so so you know so humans are apes we're like a species of ape we're not we're not like an ape we actually are an ape i'm pretty sure you'll find that adam and eve my catholic parents don't like my books i wonder why um yeah no so, so we're, we're a species of ape and um and but, but we're a weird obviously a, a weird kind of ape we're not like the other apes in, in a fundamental way and that fundamental way is that we've learned we, we've solved the um problem of survival and reproduction in a slightly different way and the way that humans do survival and reproduction is by being members of highly cooperative groups so so some psychologists say that we're part a part b we're so cooperative we're so hypersocial and, and so, so so to you know to survive and reproduce we we have to we, we have to be successful members of successful groups and, and so what that means for the unconscious is that is that we've got all this very powerful wiring that's evolved over million well hundreds of thousands of years and longer um uh th that that compels us to do that to, to, to be members of highly cooperative groups and, and that means two things one is it means that we have this urge to join groups to to, to so when we feel connected with other people we love it that's we, we get happy we we, we feel um uh, joyful and secure and it, that, that life is going well um and you know and we hate the idea of ostracization you know if people feel pushed out of a group rejected that's a universal human dread we all hate that that stuff and that's that that's kind of one part of the status game we, you know we join groups but those groups are games you know once we're in those groups um we, we compete for status uh, and you know and the reason for that is that that, that in, in in human groups like in you know most animal kind of groups the more status you have the the, the better you are able to survive to survive and reproduce so if you're when your status goes up you get more food better food safer sleeping sites um, um, better outcomes for your children, uh, better um, access to your choice of mates. So basically, if you go for status within your group, everything else gets better. Your survival, your your your, your chances of survival and producing just rocket. And and your brain knows this. It's known this for for, for millions of years, literally. So, so 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 it's this fundamental basic rule of of life go for status and if you go for status everything else gets better so, so so that's what's going on underneath the hood primarily i believe it's it's connection and status joining games and then playing those games that that's life that's human social life yeah for sure and on on the flip side because there'll be people who read it and there was a stage whilst i was reading the book i'm like oh my god i hope i, I wish we weren't like this what what would be the route out and obviously you did you did cover that 
in the book, but how much do you think of it is like in nature as well? All, all of it is nature. It, it, that is our human nature. You know, we, we play life as a game, and but, but our brain tells us that it, it's a kind of heroic story. And, and, and you know, and, but the, and that, that sounds on the surface to be quite a nihilistic, cynical view of, <laughs> view of the world. But but there are two things. One is it's, it's just I think it's inarguable. You know, if you look at human social life, what is it? If you look at religions, companies, sports teams, what's going on in social media, politi- the politics, it's all groups competing for status that's that's everything that's it cults you know that, that's what we do you know outside of family life that's what we do so we join groups and compete for status so so i think that's inarguable but but also i don't think it's that it, it's that negative you know as, as i as i describe in the book there are two ways um principal ways that humans can earn um the kind of prestigious forms of status in, in status games and one of those is is with virtue and one of them is with success when we when we when, when, when we're virtuous we're useful to our group so the group rewards yeah. us with status and so that means you know back in the in the days when we're involving it we're being generous or courageous or kind of sticking to the rules and enforcing the rules um uh, but, but that means that we've got this inbuilt reward system for behaving in selfless ways that means that when we do something that's that's selfless not for us Strictly speaking, we feel good about ourselves and we get this bump of internal status um, that kind of reflects back at ourselves. But also other people say, oh, that was an amazing thing you did. Yeah, you're you're a great guy. You're a great woman, you know. And and so so, so that's fantastic. You know, the fact that we award status naturally and automatically for when when people behave in virtuous, selfless ways is the best of human nature. It's, you know, and if it wasn't there, everything would be chaos and destruction, you know, yeah. uh, it, like at the moment, you know, recently we've been, you know, in the UK, we've been making celebrities of the, of the women who invented the AstraZeneca vaccine. And it's great that we do that. It's completely right that we do that. They deserve everything that they're going to get. They're probably going to get like honors in the next honors mm. list. They'll be able to charge like 10 grand to do like one hour speaking fee or whatever, you know, it's easy or whatever it is, you know, yeah. and that's good. That, that's, that, that, that's the best of human nature. The fact that we reward people for being useful, for being virtuous. So, so, so that's the best of the status game. Yeah, for sure. And, and let's, let's take a look at the worst, the worst of it. Cause in the book, you obviously, you make it quite clear that too much status problem, too little yeah. status problem yeah going from high status to low status serious problem yeah um so let's let's just take a look at the dark side and there was a really interesting chapter what did you call it um what did you call it male grandos and and grandiose and yeah humiliated yeah so so so, yeah so 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 i was that 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 chapter is really about some of the terrible things that can happen when we when we, de- we feel deprived of status. I mean, so you know, so status is it, it, it's an um, it's a it's a basic human need. It's like food yeah. and water, but it's for the for our psychology. And when we don't have enough status, we get depressed. We, get, we even get physically sick. You know, so so it's really bad for us when we when we feel depri- unfairly deprived of status or, or deprived of status in any way. We get very angry. Um, but but but. Um, you know, and you can tell this to the logical, to, to the logical extremes and, you know, people who, who feel humiliated and, and when you're humiliated, you've basically lost all your status in your group, in your game. And, you know, worse than that, you're kicked out of the game. Basically, people are saying we just don't want you anywhere near us. That's that that's humiliation. So it's a really extreme kind of um, acute experience of loss of status. And of course, we all hate being humiliated. It's just a, it's a it's a it feels dreadful. Yeah. Um, but when I was looking into the the kind of you know, the, the science of humiliation, 
one it was actually the thing that really convinced me to write a book about this because I, I kind of realized how important status was and that humiliation is, is 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 associated with the very very worst of human behavior so everything from serial killers to spree killers to terrorists to honor killers even in genocide um has you know humiliation is a big part of all of those, all of that phenomena. Um, and in the book, you know, I, I write about probably who are, the, you know, the, the kind of small group of people who are the most dangerous people in the world. And that's men who are um, kind of grandiose, narcissistic, but humiliated. You know, men, yeah. because men, men are much more likely for evolutionary, you know, for, for historical reasons, evolutionary reasons, to um, try and restore their status with violence. You know, that, that's, 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 a, that's a much more likely... You know, yeah. we're still we're still built for that. It's bit, I can see you, but you know, you know, men are, men are built for the chair. A, it's for, the chair. For, for, yeah, the chair. Yeah, but that you know, but for physical aggression, that that that's millions of years of evolution. Um, you know, going back to before we were human, you know, um, we, we even used to look different, had bigger heads, much bigger muscles. Um, uh, so, so, so men, you know, and you know, millions of years, we haven't got the violence out of us. Men, you know, we still do that. Mm. Um, so, so being being a man makes you much more dangerous physically to other people. But being grandiose does, being narcissistic does, because when you're narcissistic, you have this basically automatic assumption in your mind that you deserve high status. You are a high yeah. status person. It's detached from actually your behavior in the world like most people yeah. earn status and understand i've got to do something good to earn status oh, I've, got to, I've got to get going but narcissists are like no i am high status and so when people don't treat them that way they get very upset um so so, so when you basically humiliate a male narcissist when you when you drag them down uh, you know for a long period of time they become extremely dangerous and, and there's, there's, there's you know I, I tell a few stories in that chapter one of which is the Unabomber, who was this guy who was, you know, an academic at Harvard, and he, he signed up to these psychological experiments, and he, but he didn't know that the, the point of the experiment was to see, um, was to test kind of harsh interrogation techniques for the CIA. Wow. Uh, um, and, and so what they did was they got him to write down all his secrets, all his, you know, most intimate secrets, all his philosophies and his theories about the world you know even things like masturbation and thumb sucking habits and he wrote you know and once they got that they took him into a room shone bright lights into his face put electrodes on him and basically humiliated him mocked him teased him tore tore you know tore apart tore him apart and this wow. happened every week for years and um and his brother in his memoir says that they that they recognized he changed, you know, that something had gone wrong at Harvard, but he never spoke about it. He never told them about it. And then he became the Unabomber, you know, the UN in Unabomber stands for universities. He started, started bombing universities and basically yeah. um, the modern world, you know, so, he, so, you know, scientists attacked him, humiliated him. So he kind of attacked in response that the, the, the world that the scientists and, the, you know, the technologists had created. And, and I also tell the story of Elliot Rogers, the spree killer who felt yeah. humiliated, you know, by women and became this very dangerous misogynist. Yeah, of course. Is he the one whose mother was just a total prick to him all his life? No, that was Ed Kemper. Yeah, he's a, Kemper. he's a serial killer. So, 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 yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things all these men have in common, apart from being humiliated, is that they specifically turn and attack the people who they feel humiliated by. So yeah. the Unabomber attacked, you know, the, the scientists, the technologists. Elliot Rogers attacked women and the jocks, the jock types he felt yeah. humiliated by. And um, um, Ed Kemper, the serial killer, his wife, his mother, sorry, he bullied him, worked at the university and used to tease him saying that, that he was so awful and, you know, uh, unpleasant that 
the, the pretty co-ed girls at university would never go anywhere near him. And he became the co-ed killer. So he killed his mum and he killed loads of, you know, young women at the, at the university in, in really gruesome ways. And he, he wow. was another narcissist. You know, he had gen near genius level IQ and was very yeah. interested in all the media attention he was getting and, you know, was parading himself in cuffs when he, after he'd been arrested when it went for rest stops and stuff. So, so yeah, they, they all had this in common. Yeah, it's so crazy because they're like even committing the crimes and the heinous crimes that they did, they will have gained status with certain individuals in the world who think that's like quite a cool thing to do. It's like, wow, I want to massacre a load of people. They're my idol. So they probably get loads of letters. So it's probably worked out pretty well for them unless they got well, a death penalty, well, you get loads of letters into, into jail. Exactly. So they, they, they've taken their humiliation and they've turned it into status. And, 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 and that's the right way of looking at it is, is, that, is, that, is that we don't look to the whole world for status. We look to our groups for status. Yeah. So, you know, in that kind of subculture of misogynist incels, Elliot Rogers will be a hero and, and yeah. they will look up to him. You know, there's somebody, there's someone, there's even somebody on Twitter um, not Twitter, Instagram, who, who I found when I was doing my research. And she, I think she, she's called, she calls herself Elliot Rogers Lover or something. And she's this wow. really attractive blonde American who's just obsessed with Elliot Rogers. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and, and she's, you know, like this. And that, that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre. But, but yeah, you know, that's... white women on Instagram, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, I think, I think she's called Elliot Rogers Supreme Lover or something like this. Wow. It's, it's <laughs> the Supreme. I know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really strange. Yeah. And that's, and that's crazy because you can see just how much like, a poor childhood in terms of humiliation can have an effect on someone. But then also on the flip side, if you go and give your child too much self-esteem, you're then sort of playing dangerous on, on the other side. Yeah. Of things. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's something I wrote about actually in selfie, um, uh, you, you, you know, um, in, in, in the, the, the core of selfie is talking about the self-esteem movement and the self-esteem culture that, that really was kind of preeminent when I was growing up um, yeah. in, the, in the 80s and 90s. The idea was that, that all kids, um, pe parents should, should just give their kids self-esteem and tell them they're amazing and special and wonderful and precious. And if they do that, they all become wonderful and precious <laughs> and amazing. They didn't work. Manifest it. <laughs> they became narcissists. And what, they, what you actually see is rates of narcissism were going right up throughout that time. Um, wow. It kind of it kind of stalled in, 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 in 2008, roughly. Um, and, and yeah, there was, there was a big study in, by academics at the University of Amsterdam and they, they charted parents and parent they, they, they found um, you know they, they, they analyzed parenting styles and they looked at the people who, who, who they classed as um, using parental overpraise so you know the, you know praising their children too much and they found that the narcissism levels of their children just went up every six months every six months wow. they tested it went up and up and up and up so so, so yeah you know status without when, when status is not attached to actual achievement, it's dangerous because it because it leads to that narcissism you said it like paused at 2008 what are the figures looking like? i don't know if you know it might be a... yeah so it's really interesting so when i was writing selfie they, they, they'd been going up uh, 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 since since the since a very early 90s and and, and the self-esteem movement really got got going in the, in the late 80s early 90s so it matched very closely all that stuff and then it um and then it changed in two thousand and eight. And what happened in two thousand and eight? It, it didn't drop. I, actually, no. I think what happened is it stalled, and now it's it, it, it's dropped a bit. And, and I and I think that's the kind of millennials versus Gen Z, really Gen Z. Uh, and and you know the obvious thing that happened in two thousand and eight was the global financial crisis. And, you know, it was basically the end of the good times. And and, and I think there was a big cultural change. Uh, you know, from two thousand and eight onwards, 
that, that, yeah. that where you know in 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 the status game we're right about kind of success culture versus virtue culture and i think you know 80s 90s and the, and the early 2000s was very much success focused everybody was about success in the 80s it was about you know becoming rich and then it became about becoming a social media influencer and all that stuff um, but I think after 2008, it, 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 things start to switch and, and, and we start to see much more of a, of a focus on, vir, on people's virtue, on, on yeah. kind, of, kind of virtue play and people's moral behaviour, which, which, which now manifests in this very strong kind of cancel culture, very, very kind of punitive atmosphere on social media. Um, uh, and so, so I, I think that stopped. The, the, I, think that, I, I, I think that's connected to the change in narcissism. People are less interested in thinking that they're amazing and, and they're more interested in kind of moral behavior now so i think it's a cultural yeah. change yeah and i think people's self-esteem is just going to be going down and down and down and down and down yeah at this point especially with like all the status games that we we play on social media and um you mentioned there that it's it's more virtue games and in the book you talk about the sort of the far left in in politics and how mm. um taking this phrase i think from like guard side i don't know if i have to say his name but like minority tyrants um, <laughs> yes who yeah, essentially yeah. is like a very very small group of people are running things for everyone because they're shouting the loudest yeah and um how uh, i'm just gonna try and get the, the question right here when it comes to like far left and far right are they playing a different type of status game in terms well, of politics or is it always no, when, when you go to the fringes i think it's very similar and you know as you know in the book i i, I the way i try and take it out of kind of left versus right is by talking about tightness versus looseness and there's a yeah, concept yeah. from psychology where they, they look at cultures and some cultures are loose they're kind of relaxed they're easygoing they're not that fussed about the rules um, so the UK is a relatively loose culture. Germany is a relatively tight culture, much more on, punctual, on time, interested in the yeah. rules, conformist. Um, it, you know, the northern states of the US are relatively loose. The southern states are relatively tight. Yeah. Um, you know, much more superstitious and much more suspicious of outsiders, that, that kind of thing. Um, and, and I think when you go to the fringes of, of, of left and right, that, that's what you're seeing. It's basically, you know, forget their difference in politics. It, they just become more and more tight. So much more conformist, much more... Um, uh, chippy about their own sense of status, much more willing to go on the attack when they think a rival group is, is, a, is insulting or attacking their kind of sense of status. But, but, but I do think that what you see on social media is it, it, certainly, it's, it, 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 it's the kind of alt-left, you might call them. It's the alt-left's yeah. kind of playground. I mean, and, and the data kind of bears that out. When you look at uh, the, 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 the demographics of, of the UK and America and, and social media, uh, what they call the progressive activists, which is which is a polite word for your kind of social justice warrior. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they, they make, uh, I think it's 13% um, of the UK and 8% of the US, but they, but, but, they, but they make more contributions to Twitter than everybody else combined. Yeah. So, so, so they are a minority, they are left-wing, they are, and, and they dominate social media's kind of, you know, um, the conversation. Uh, and that's dangerous because you, 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 when you're on social media, you feel like they are the whole world. You feel like yeah. you feel like, oh my god, this is this is the consensus now, and it isn't the consensus. It's a really no. minority view. It's just that those people are very loud, and they're also very privileged. They're very they're, they're much they're they're wealthy. They're elite. They're university educated. They've got lots of you know they've got you know top jobs. So they're very powerful, powerful minority, powerful and loud minority. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, and that and that obviously can can cause a problem. Um, and yes. and let's have a look at like high high status and and where that can be an issue. What what's like the main example that you draw from for that? Well, yeah, so so, so I mean, I, I've got a few examples, and the main example I talk about is um, Paul McCartney, um, because he, 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 you know when we evolved, when our kind of status game playing neural wiring evolved, we were living in really quite small groups. Um, you know, 150, you know, generally speaking, sometimes, you know, you would attach to sort of larger kind of forms of the group, but, but basically yeah. you'd know everybody personally that, that you that you knew of. There was no internet, yeah. obviously, there was no newspaper, there was no out. media. <laughs> yeah, so there's a relatively small group. So, so everybody felt useful pretty much. Everybody felt valuable pretty much. Um, people's need for status was, was was satisfied because the games were quite small. There wasn't much difference between the top and the bottom. There was no, there, t- there tended not to be some big man figure leading everything. It was much more collaborative and communal. Um, and, and so we've not evolved to have massively high status that we do today. We've not evolved to live in these huge groups. You know, the bigger the group, the, 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 more, the bigger the difference and the more the, the, the more the people on top are completely separate and alien from the rest of us. And, yeah. and, and, and so, and what the problem is, is, is that we, we're very good. We, we, we love status so much that we're very good at just accepting any status we get, you know, any status that we get, we'll go, yeah, I deserve that. That's totally fair enough. And then we yeah. want more and we don't stop wanting more. So when psychologists um, try to find the place where our need for status stabilizes, it never does. We always want more and more and more and more. And, right. and so that's why, you know, as I said around the book, I think that's why celebrities and world leaders often go completely mental is because they, they, they've, got, they've got ridiculous amounts of status, but they keep wanting more and more status. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, the, and the example is this Paul McCartney, because Paul McCartney is this weird combination of uh, somebody as a, you know, as, a, as a Beatle who's had probably more status than almost anybody in the last 100 Bigger years. Bigger than Jesus, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but, but also, you know, he's famously not that, you know, he's quite a nice guy. He's not like, a, he's not he's not seen as this monster, like like some, like, like a, you know, like a Madonna character who's just seen as this big diva type. He seems quite a nice guy. But even he, he had this kind of period where he, he got really um, um, uh, upset because on the, on the sticky labels on the Beatles records, it says songs by Lennon McCartney. And he's mm. like, why does Lennon's name come first? It's not fair. I, you know, I was the right main writer on some of those songs. Uh, and so he started, um, first he started sort of um, um, trying to persuade the other Beatles to let him change the, change the order. Then um, he, he, he released all these live albums, Paul McCartney live albums. And um, uh, on the Beatles songs, he switched the order, says McCartney Lennon. And then Yoko Ono sort of kicks off and starts complaining and threatening legal action because she's chippy about John Lennon's status. And so, so even him, even Paul McCartney is just, you know, with all his wealth, with all his status, with his basically godlike kind of levels of, of, of rank, even he, he's still got that kind of chippiness about his is perceived status yeah yeah for sure it's almost in like a quite a bratty way it's in like i want it i want yes. this now why does your brain come first it's not fair it's like man everyone thinks you're a genius for mccartney chill out <laughs> but yeah. yeah you know in the same chapter i write about you know like crazy um you know celebrity behavior like i think it was kanye west that one day walked into a but his backstage area and his, his carpet was too bumpy so he ordered the carpet to get iron so did iron his carpet for him you know so it's just it's very it's precious just, yeah. very very precious to have a carpet that, that, iron. that's what happens and it's you know same with ceos same with world leaders i mean many of them just go mad yeah i suppose it's just because we have such a moorish attitude and like a 
sort of taste for life, isn't it? No matter what, what makes us feel good, whatever shows up that day to give us some dopamine or some feel good emotions, we just need more of it. So like, well, yeah. I mean, that felt good. So why not just do it? Try and get 10 times that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think the thing with stages is you can't own it. You can't possess it. No. You can be here one day and gone the next. You can be here one minute and gone the next. So, so, so we're always anxious about it. And, you know, and, and, and that, that was the same back in the back in the days of the tribe, even chimpanzees, you know, who are, you know, along with bonobos, our closest short genetic um, relatives. You know, it's the same in chimpanzee troops where you can have the alpha alpha male at the top, but then he can be overwhelmed by this conspiracy of younger males that take him down. So it's so for millions of years, our our status has never been settled. No, no, nobody sits at the top and belongs there forever. Um, yeah. so, so, so you're always chippy about it. Like, and the more you get, almost the more worried and anxious you get, get about shoring up and protecting what you've got. Wow, it's um, it's quite interesting. I've, I've half read a book recently, actually, which I stopped to start reading yours because I, I thought it was quite similar. Have you read The Elephant in the Brain? No, I've not. I've, a couple of people have mentioned that book, though. Yeah, so it's 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 a kind of similar vibe, apart from it's just about the it's the hidden motive essentially, which is. Yeah they don't call it status, but it's essentially status. And they talk about it in so many different parts of life, like redwood trees, which you, I think you mentioned very briefly in the chapter about the poppies. You say that the poppies are going up like redwoods. Even the redwood trees, they hinder their sort of chance of creating more redwoods by just going up. Their whole purpose in in their lifespan is to just go up as tall as wow. they can. Whereas if they and and to be the tallest tree out of yeah. out of the group, and if they'd spent more time like spreading their um, seeds on in a more effective way, there'd be way more redwoods. But I think they're quite closely grouped together in a certain part of America, not in many other places in the world. Which I could have completely made that up. But I think that's how I remember it. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. And certain types of birds who will have like an alpha male, a beta male, and someone who just comes in to stand security every now and then to impress <laughs> the alpha so he can become the beta. So I think it's, it's some status games are like, there's one person at the top, but like everyone else is going to compete to be the person that that person turns to and be be their left, left-hand left man or, or yeah, woman or yeah. bird. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. And yeah, I mean, I didn't really talk, you know, that. I, I thought there was enough, in the in the human world yeah i talked a lot about um chimps in in selfies so so yeah yeah i i thought i'd stick to the humans for this but, but no, i have i have heard um good things about elephant in the brain and i, I definitely it's on my pile to read definitely yeah for sure um so another thing that comes up quite a lot in the book is the whole copy flatter conform hmm. and it, it pops up quite often how is how have you seen that in potentially your life? And, and would you mind explaining what, what that is for people? Yeah, so, so, so that's the way that we've, we, we, we've evolved to operate within status games. You, you know, so, so, so I guess the easiest way of thinking about it is when you're young and you're born and, and you're, you're born into your group. And, and how, do you, how does the brain know how to um, earn status? How does it learn? Because that's what, that's what a brain wants. It wants to, it wants to connect and earn status to get along and get ahead is, 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 is another way of looking at it. So how, how does it learn how to do that? Well, it, well, it, it spots high status people. It spots successful people that are, that are like you, that look like you and are doing, doing, you know, like, so, so men tend to be attracted to other men, women to other women, uh, you know, and, and so on. Um, and, and, and once it does, and once the brain does that, it, this kind of, kind of copy flatter conform mechanism 
kind of um, is triggered. And, and so we can see that with, with people that we look up to and that we aspire to become, like celebrities, sports stars, or you know, the cool kids at school or, 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 or whoever it is. Um, they're people that your brain has gone, I can learn from this person and because they're high status. And if I do what they do, I will also become high status. So you start copying them. Um, you start conforming, you know, and you just, pleasure is he's conforming to, you know, they, they, you'll do what you'll do what they tell you to do. And, and you also kind of flatter them. I thought this is very interesting in the research that, that, that you know, the, 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 the unconscious, the secret reason that we flatter people and, oh, you're amazing, you're fantastic, can I get you a cup of tea? We, we lavish them with status. And that's a bribe, but it's a bribe because we, our brain wants to be near that person as much as possible because it wants to learn from that person. So that's just all, all that flattery is, is, is basically bribery. You're making that feel good, person feel good to get, to, get, to get permission to stick closer to them to, yeah. to basically steal their ideas and steal their strategy for, 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 for kind of earning status. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, uh, I suppose when you're doing the research, do you find it quite daunting to find out like, oh, I'm only nice to people because <laughs> I want something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, that isn't the only reason. That's, that's, that's well, it's why we flatter people. You know, yeah. I think that's the thing. I mean, there are there are other reasons that we're nice to people. You know, altruistic acts. But again, it's 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 about earning that virtuous status. You know, we we are we're interested in in doing good things primarily to our group. And then we do yeah. that. We, you know, we get a bump in status. Um, but 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 certainly the the flattery. Yeah yeah. yeah. But you can see that too. Like in you know, in my in my employment history, I've never been very good at um being in, in employed by in in offices because because yeah. uh, you know you you can see the ass licking and from a mile away it kind of makes you some people are good at that some people are not good at that I was not good at that good <laughs> and at it that. makes your toes curl a bit um it, 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 yeah but you see it in in the corporate you know environment and you also see it on social media people kind of sucking up to the blue tickers and all that stuff and oh you're yeah. amazing you're fantastic. Um, yeah. trying to get their attention you know it really is a powerful thing that, that, that we have you know and I, you know and I'm sure I'm sure I'm the same with um with, with the with, with the people that I admire if I was to meet Carla now skirt for example I'd be like oh my god you're just amazing you know? yeah <laughs> I think I think there's something about that it's like you you want to tell the people that you think are cool that you think they're cool because like yeah. sometimes it's it's not it's nice for them to hear it but yeah it definitely gets to a point where it is asking and it's it's definitely got an ulterior motive because i like i see people asking i'm thinking there's no way you're that nice yeah there is absolutely yeah. no way you care yeah. that much about that person yeah. <laughs> and maybe yeah, i'm just a right. cynic <laughs> no no yeah I, I, I see it too it's, you know especially on social media you know they're they're, they're a journal you know journalists uh, 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 as, uh, as a generality aren't, aren't a particularly nice batch of people <laughs> but you see these kind of hard-nosed kind of cynical hacks just um just just shamelessly sucking up to it to, to, to sort of celebrities and stuff on social media it's it's not a good look i don't think no no it's definitely not and uh <laughs> well you can consider it one of your virtues is that you're not an arsehole <laughs> well, <laughs> but, 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 but it works if you, it works i mean i know lots of journalists who are, who are now you know genuinely friends with with celebrities because of this kind of stuff so so yeah, yeah. it does work it's a shame isn't it i feel well, like it's, i've it's got a... for women more than men i've noticed it so much in in female um journalists but men i don't know it's so odd i don't know whether that's there's anything in that but it, but it certainly seems to be um, I feel uh, like there's a predisposition of blokes to just never pay another man a compliment. <laughs> yeah. I think that's just kind of like a contract we unfortunately sign. Yeah. And yeah. 
we can get in well, we don't have to get into it let's not actually but it'll be the patriarchy that's made us think like that <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, I mean I didn't I mean I, I never found any research on this particularly so I didn't write about it in the book but, but it's definitely I think it, it seems to be I, I, it's almost certainly true that men and women play these games in slightly different ways like on social media women are far more free with their compliments than men I find you know women are always I guess you can say they're much more supportive of each other in that way. I yeah. think amazing or fantastic. Whereas, whereas, whereas men are much more, you, you see them, you see them kind of swapping advice a bit more than just mm. compliments. I don't Live like this, mate. Each, they're trying to impress each other a bit more, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and you mentioned something in, in the book actually about like men and women and how on the flip side of things, when you're trying to take status from someone as a man and mm. woman, and you, you sort of, I think you paraphrased John, Jonathan Haidt, mm. um, who wrote The Righteous Mind and, and mm. Happiness Hypothesis, about how women are more focused on ruining someone's reputation and men are like, cool, let's just do this physically. And I think it's, it's so clear and everyone kind of works that out in school. But how, how does it fit into adult life? As Are people still violent to elevate their status as no or is that, it do it show up differently yeah that's a that's a good point so so, so, so when when jonathan Haidt's talking about that he's talking about um younger people so, mm. so so if you go to a school playground and um, you know the boys will be violent and the girls will be kind of bullying you know yeah. the girls you know the boys are about one-on-one challenge the girls are much more groupish and and they're much more about reputation destruction but of course as boys as boys grow into men we we, we tell you know we, the violence drops away uh, you know, we, yeah. we, we become less violent as we get older, um, and and so 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 it just it, it begins evening out because then the only way to attack others are, are those ostracization, reputation that yeah. it, it, it kind of it kind of levels out. Um, yes, yeah, so, so, so it's much more about young people that 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 difference. Yeah, but, so but, the but there's definitely wrong. <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely you could argue a, a, you know a version of toxic masculinity and a, and a flip side of toxic femininity, which is much more about reputation destruction ostracization you know teasing humiliation that kind of thing whereas the toxic masculinity is much more about a group, that kind of much more kind of bullish um um uh, threatening yeah. directly threatening aggression yeah for sure and uh, one question I've, i wanted to ask is obviously i'm annoyed that my brain doesn't have the capacity just to remember everything that's in the book it's it's, <laughs> it's not a particularly large book but it's just full of incredibly like interesting statistics and like views on things was there anything in your research for it because there's obviously an incredible amount of research that did go into the book that really really shocked you it really shocked me um yeah i suppose i i, I think I, I suppose yeah there's the, the, some of the historical stuff i i, I think it's I, I think it's the stuff really about um, when we feel deprived in status, um, the storytelling brain kicks in and the storytelling brain weaves this kind of tale, this, this really toxic tale in which the people who've sort of have taken our status from us are evil. And, um, and you know, very often, the, the, you know, the, the righteous, morally correct thing to do is to kind of attack them with violence. And so you see this in Elliot Rogers, that spreaker that we were talking about earlier on, you know, when Elliot Roger felt rejected, you know, for years by um, women. And he, you know, he, he basically went mad, really. He, he started to believe that 
the just the, a just world would, would be one in which women were wiped out completely and um uh, because women kept choosing the you know um jock type men to, to procreate with so they're ruining the world by having all these jock babies <laughs> very weird twisted um thing you know but but you know but he basically was advocating wiping out all women except for some that you would keep for, for artificial insemination so that's that, that's mental you know you think that's just crazy but then you but then, but then when you look at what was happening in germany before the second world war uh, you know uh, effectively a nation w- w- were doing that under the nazis yeah. uh, germany was a grandiose nation uh, for, for very good reasons it was the most successful nation easily in continental europe at the time technologically advanced culturally advanced um, wealthy and then after the first world war it was completely humiliated and, and you know dropped down into kind of misery and um humiliation by you know france and, and the other winners of the uh first world war and yeah. so uh, you know and you know you know it, it's going too far to say a nation of course because there were lots of germans who weren't anti-semitic you know weren't anti-semitic but there were a hell of a lot of germans who were and who yeah. told themselves exactly that elliot rogers story which was which was that we've, we've been deprived of status um, um, Hitler's going to, um, to, you know, create this Third Reich, this thousand-year kingdom in which Germany is on top of the world, and the only way we can do this by, is by wiping out the Jewish people. And, that, and, and when I realised that, that was quite shocking because when I was reading about Elliot Rogers, I was thinking this guy's a lunatic. He's a one-off, you know, Jesus. But then when you see it happen, exactly that happened to the German nation in the 1930s. Um, you know, less than a hundred years ago, you realise, God, it's not. It's that's in our human nature. You know, th- yeah. th- that's what we do when we feel you know chronically that when we feel our status has been unfairly taken from us and we, and we and we locate an enemy and we go it's you it's you that did that you know and, yeah. and when we tell that story really bad things happen yeah it was quite an interesting chapter especially the one on like nazi germany and just how like well their economy was doing and and how yeah. many people had bought into the idea by the end because I can't remember his name, but he was a quite a substantial, like significant figure in in the Nazis. But he says something about like you will join us essentially. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He, he, we, we, Himmler, he, he, the propaganda minister. He basically said we're going to work on the German people until they become addicted to us. You know, yeah. he, he was saying, you know, there are there are two ways you can get loyalty. One is by the gun. And one is by, you know, persuading people and, we, we, and we're going to use basically both methods. And they did. Yeah. And, and one of the kind of secret truths about the Nazis that you, you just don't hear because people find it horrifying is that they were incredibly successful. You know, the reason that Hitler was so unbelievably powerful was because unlike someone like Donald Trump, he actually did what he said he was going to do. He did yeah. restore um, a Germany status. He, 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 he rolled back the Treaty of Versailles. He stood up to France and, and, and the other kind of winners of the, of the First World War and their demands. Um, he, he, um, he, you know, the, the, the economy, the, the, by the end, you know, by the, by the dawn of the Second World War, they'd achieved full, going from a, a place of absolute um, economic catastrophe, they'd achieved full employment in Germany. I mean, that's yeah. extraordinary. Um, they, they did things like they, they you know, they they put on cheap holidays and cruises for people. They, they, yeah, they gave amazing. newlyweds cheap loans, like home improvement loans. They they, they did the you know the world's first um, motorway system. Uh, so they were technologically advanced, scientifically advanced. They're the first um, government to officially recognise the link between smoking and lung cancer, and you know launched this kind of pioneering anti-smoking campaign. So so, so all of these things that. The Germans did that, that were positive for the German nation. We, we, we don't, we never hear that story because it's so, because we, we, we live in this 
silly story world in which Hitler was this monster when actually he was a he was a person just just like you or I I mean you know he personally did dreadful things um but 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 that's why they worshipped him you know and you don't you can't understand the rise of the Nazis without understanding um a how it began with, with the absolute humiliation of a grandiose nation and then what happened next which was that Hitler said he was going to restore their status and he did restore their status so, 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 and that's why they screamed. Well, that's why they worshipped him like a god, because because you know he did he did what he said he was going to do. And and usually leaders don't do that. You know, they're like no, they're more like the Donald Trump types who say I'm going to make America great again, and they just don't really do anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just make a catchphrase and then just hope for the best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Trump was way too incompetent to ever be a Nazi, ever be a Hitler. You know, and also, you know, I think Trump. It was just he didn't have that level of evil. Trump was self-interested, and I, and I think the yeah. most evil people in the world are are not self-interested. They're interested in their group, and and they're interested in they're on this kind of moral mission to save the world. Those are the dangerous yeah. people, and Trump was too small-minded to be truly dangerous. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I think like giving him Twitter that might have been a little bit dangerous, but he's he's definitely one of those people who's hungry for status. I dread. I mean, I, I worry mm. for his mental health now that he's been kind of taken off that pedestal a little bit it would be yeah interesting to see sort of what what he does next to feed off because it seems like he does feed off the love of the people and of, of status like like we all unknowingly do yeah i mean he he he's a rare example of somebody that is he's really not unconscious with him his status he's just completely obsessed with it you know he used to get obsessed with it is it the time magazine had the richest rich list and he would get completely obsessed with why aren't i higher on the rich list and phone up the editor and complain and yeah you know he's a he's a he's a comic character but but you know you know maybe there's a there's a little trump in all of us that that's kind of obsessively interested in in our own status in our own groups no matter how we're measuring it i think i'm i'm coming to understand that 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 is the case and it's been quite an existential realization for me (laughs) and taking quite a lot of thinking but you're uh your sort of route out of it that you gave gave at the end of the book um i, I want to come back to that, that we, we said about at the start for people playing the status game which would be everyone listening um and you and i what yeah. how how do you do it in a kind way how do you do it in a, in a good way in a good way. Well, 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 well there's, there's a couple of ways of, of answering that. And then the first way is to say a good way is in to, 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 to do it in a way that, that doesn't harm other people. Because, because you know, in, in pursuit of status, we're very good at harming other people and dressing it up as a morally good act. And, and, and I think that's been being very careful of, of our kind of moral kind of virtue based status play. So, so the easiest way to earn status is by, is by being virtuous, uh, by appearing virtuous. And, and, and we can do that just by dragging somebody else down. We, we, we can send a tweet in, in, in eight seconds and earn, and earn some cheap status points. Um, yeah. uh, and, you know, that becomes addictive to some people, you know, because, you know, status is, is addictive, you know, we, we, we need it. And, you know, for, for some people that becomes, you know, that, that, that phone, that app, becomes the, the biggest store, biggest source of status in their lives. So, so you know, they, they can't let it go. And, and of course, you know, once you send a tweet and someone comes back at you, then you've got to defend your status and you're, so you're in this kind of feedback loop now of, and, and mm. people are watching and, um, you know, your friends or that, the, your group are watching and, 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 and you feel a huge pressure to win the, the, these, these battles. So in the book, I, you know, I talk about reducing your moral sphere. And what I mean by that is that, is, is that, is that you're in a dangerous place, I think, when, when, when most of your moral thinking concerns other people. When, when, when you're thinking, 
you know too much about other people's moral behavior that's just cheap status play you know it's unhealthy um and and i think it's much better to kind of reduce to consciously trying to reduce that 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 kind of moral status play and just focus more on your own moral behavior because that's what you should be doing um yeah and that's that's that, that's what that's what's going to get you more of the healthy status which is people going oh this is a really good person you know this is an amazing yeah. thing and he's always kind and you know so, so, so it's about focusing your moral thinking on yourself not other people unless you're severely triggered and you've got real good reason you know th yeah. there's no th there's no good reason to be obs obsessing over strangers moral behavior on the internet it's silly um so, so that's that that's the other one and yeah. then the, the, i think the other one is just, is, is just being mindful about the about the about the games that you're playing understanding you know, he talks about youth you know one of the things that everyone most people go through anyway when when they go you know when they hit 35 roughly is they start realizing that they're, they're not quite as good looking <laughs> as they used to be <laughs> your body's changing shape and, and the fucking hair's going on top and stuff and and, 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 I've got and, a full and, head and, of hair. I just want to say, I, I, I will not hear you say a bad word against it. <laughs> and 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 you know, and that's tough. You know, not just from appearance, but 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 from you feel that you you know, we, we live in a kind of youth focused culture very much, and you, and you start feeling kind of pushed out of that game. They're like all the actions happening in the in the twenty something mm. category. They're the ones that are building the future, and you start feeling a bit irrelevant. Um, and and but but I think it, but but I think if you can be mindful and understand that you know I see your forties as the I call it the age of expertise I don't, I don't put that in the book that that's how it is you know when you're in your forties that's when you become really good at stuff and you, and actually you've you've been learning how to do stuff since you're perhaps in your teens probably in your twenties and thirties but you don't get really good until you're in your forties at least so so there are other games to play you know that, that don't involve having a perfectly flat stomach and you know mm. and a full head of hair or whatever it is. Um, oh, and, 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 yeah, and, and you know, you see it a lot, you know, to, these days. People, you know, again in selfie, I wrote about how, you know, for a long time, women have had have, have had huge body image standards to, to, you know, ridiculous standards to try and adhere to. But I think, you know, post post Love Island, you know, um, selfie generation, men also have enormous. I mean, Jesus, men's bodies have changed in my lifetime. When I when I was a kid, mm. nobody had a huge body. But you know, yeah. post, post. I don't know if it was Love Island or whatever it was, but you know, post something in social media, Instagram. Men's bodies have just changed completely, and and with that, there's a huge rise in steroid abuse in men, which which people just don't talk about because men's mental health is just not seen as an interesting issue in the world. Yeah. But but yeah, there's a huge problem with steroid abuse at the moment in young men and in steroid addiction. So, so 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 yeah, I think it's really important to understand that, that there are you know that we can consciously choose which games we play. We, you know, we and, and and actually, it's not appropriate to compete with young people when you're old because you can't do it, and you're going to make <laughs> a fool of yourself, and you're going to get stupid plastic surgery, and you know, and you're going to and you're going to do your back in, and it's just silly because there are other, there are other really rewarding things you could be doing that, that twenty somethings can't, can't do, um, and also to make sure that you're playing a variety of games. So. You know, the, the, the extremely unhealthy status quo behavior is, is, is the most extreme is, is being in a cult. And when you're in a it's cult, okay. yeah. you, you, when you're in a cult, you, you, you're basically playing one game. That's your whole life is one game. And, that, and that's why cults want you to um, drop contact with your parents and family and friends, because that's it. They're saying this is your only source of status. These are the rules you've got to follow. And that's that. And, and so that's the most unhealthy, healthy way of living. But you can also see that kind of thinking in people who live in fundamentalist religions and very extreme political groups. You know, they're, they're not playing enough games. And so I think a healthy life is when you're playing a, a variety of games and have a variety of sources of status.
Yeah, for sure. And what does that look like for you? Because um, obviously, if we're classing like writing, maybe as, as one game, your journalism, your books, what is it that you you like to play? What are the other games that you like to sort of dabble in to keep keep See, everything that's fresh? A bad, that's a bad question because because I'm not taking my medicine. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a parent. So you know, you know, what, what one of the kind of I think one of the hopefully good things about becoming a parent is that you start to play games through your children and, and you get status yeah. from your children's successes. Oh, they can walk and oh, my kid can walk, but I don't have kids. Um, and, and so I basically sit in my, my, my house and I write and that's my game. So, and that makes yeah. me really vulnerable. Like I, 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 I like I, I, I'm not in any doubt about that. It's a, it's, it's not a healthy way um, to live my life. I also, you know, teach storytelling. So, so, so there's that too, which is, a, yeah. which is a kind of separate thing. Um, you know, I used to love photography. I don't do that anymore. So I, sh I should, you know, so, so, so yeah, the, 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 I, I don't have enough. I'm not playing enough status games. And especially as I go into my fifties, that, that becomes really a, quite a dangerous thing to, to be doing with myself. So, so I, I do need to change that. Yeah. So it's, it's important for people would that be like hobbies that would include status games that totally. like can develop skills, a anything like that? Anything that's, a, anything that's a source of status. And a hobbies are, you know, per a perfectly good um, example. And, 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 you know, and you can see just in life, you know, the kinds of people that have hobbies, whether it's an allotment or the computer games collectors or, 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 or whatever it is, you can see that, that, that that's their, or they're, they're in the chess club. That's their main source of status in, in, in the world, uh, or they're big into, you know, world of Warcraft or whatever, or, you know, or, or, or whatever it is yeah it's, 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 it's and, and, I, and that's why hobbies and games are are, are are huge hugely beneficial for people because some people aren't lucky and some for some people their main source of status in the world is being really good at like a certain computer game and if it is and that computer game is an amazing you know it's a, it's a fantastic thing that they get to do so yeah ho hobbies are a perfect example of a, of a good sort of status game you know other things like you know you know volunteering you know you you know you could volunteer for the samaritans tomorrow and start literally saving people's lives on the phone. I mean, that's a huge yeah. source of, you know, you know, virtue st status that yeah. someone can get. You know, you're literally saving lives. Yeah, that's that is amazing. It's um, it's very interesting. It's, it's definitely making me have a look at my life a little bit more. It's like, right, what what games can I get into to take me out of this main status game that seems to be the one that is most damaging? Which I guess is like social status. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what you so, media? But yeah, yeah. Essentially, just yeah. um. Yeah. Did I say something else from social media? No, social status. Yeah, I mean, sometimes people say social status to mean status in general because all kind of all status is social status. But yeah, social media is is definitely like a very tough status game to play. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. Like it's it's now a huge part of my job, and I hate that fact, and I really struggle with it. And as much as I should love it, and I should try and put everything into it, I'm like. I'm talking to a phone screen here to a bunch of people I don't really know um, who are adding to my self-esteem, which makes me fragile. <laughs> and then it's Yeah, but you're really time. good at it. So, you know, <laughs> but you know you're, obviously, you're obviously really good at it. So, so it should, you know, it, it, it's appropriate that it's a source of status for you because it, it's highly competitive and lots of people try and 99% fail and you haven't. So, so, so you know, yeah, you, you feel good about it. You should feel, you deserve to feel good about it. Yes, get some status from your store. <laughs> <laughs> the, the master of it. Um, well, yeah, look, in, in terms of timing now, we're, we're coming to the end. I would okay. just like to ask three things from you and there would be your top three books that you haven't written. I know that's a really oh. tough thing to just throw at someone at the end, but are there yeah. any standout books that you love that you think 
most people should read? That I think most people should read. Okay, books that I love that I think most people should read. Uh, well, the book, the science book that made me fall in love with science is The Happiness Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt. That, that, yeah. that, that's the book that really completely kind of blew my mind. You know, I, I just thought that was um, a, 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 a truly extraordinary book. Um, my favorite kind of, me- you know, a memoir that I love is a, is a book called When Did And When Did You Last See Your Father by Blake Morrison. I think that's a really great nonfiction. It's a really moving book about kind of fam- family life. And, and yeah. basically he's, 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 he's about his, his father um, dying. Um, and uh, another kind of classic that, that, I, that, that really um, uh, was formative in, in when I started writing was the book Them by John Ronson, which is another sort of classic in the kind of... Oh, yeah, yeah, John. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's, that's, a, that, that, that's just a brilliant book where he goes around sort of investigating various conspiracy theories. It's really funny and br- brilliant storytelling. So, 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 yeah, those are the three that immediately spring to mind. Yeah. Oh well, th- thank you so much, Will. Where um, where can people find you, and and where where, um, where are your books? <laughs> my, my books are in the bookshops in all the usual places, and on uh, Twitter, I'm at w store s t o r r. Perfect. Excellent. Well, thank you very very much. Cheers, Ed. It was a pleasure. Well, there you have it. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. You absolute legends. Hopefully, you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed being a participant in it will is a very interesting individual and his books are fantastic i'm very much looking forward to reading selfie soon and the status game is available wherever you get your books from if you want to be a good person if you want a virtue signal to people try and make it a local bookshop why not you know support local and stick it to the man or just get them from wherever you want i don't care i'm not here to judge if you would like to keep up to date with all things that need to read, please consider signing up to my mailing list or follow on Instagram. But for everything else, there's loads of links in the description for therapy, for the brain care supplement and for how to find Will on the various social media networks. That's it from me, though. You're all absolute legends. Love you all. Bye bye.